Welcome to season two of the Real Talk on Women's Health podcast with Essentia Health. I'm your host, Lauren Wells, and joining me for the first episode of the new season is Gina Dixon, the Grief Support Services Program Manager at Essentia Health. Gina, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to have you here because I feel like grief is something everybody in the world has experienced in some way, and unfortunately, it's kind of the thing that we all have in common. So let's just dive right in. Can you tell me about your experience providing grief support specifically for women. So what drew me to become a psychologist and then later a a grief counselor was my own experience of losing a parent to suicide. And back uh, many decades ago, there really weren't very many resources. And I think even less was understood about uh, traumatic grief. And um, I have worked with uh, Essentia Health Grief Support Services now for 28 years. And uh, we we actually have the first hospital-based grief center in the in the country, and we were established back in, in 1984. So it's really been a privilege to work with just the many colleagues that I've learned from, as as well as those stories that have been shared with me and, and taught me so much along the way. And, and I still learn from every person um, that I sit down with. So going off what you said, I feel like up until maybe the past few years, suicide has been such a taboo topic. But it does seem like lately it isn't as taboo and people are being more open about their experience with it. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that and that we've come a long ways. There was just an episode on Sunday morning uh, about uh, suicide and they were talking about really the epidemic in this country of uh, hundreds of people dying by suicide every day. Uh, And while there are many of us out there, I think it's still a hard thing to talk about. And I think it's often misunderstood. So I appreciate opportunities like this to be able to uh, reduce some of the stigma for survivors, as well as people who are impacted by a mental health concern. Unfortunately, I lost a friend to suicide a few years ago. And something that so many people said in the aftermath of that, including myself, was this person is so happy. They're so content. They just got married. They have a family. And so I'm just grateful to have this conversation with you and be able to put it out into the world because I feel like it is becoming less of a taboo topic, but there's still so much to learn. So very grateful to be having this conversation. But because this is the Real Talk on Women's Health podcast, what unique experiences do you think women face when it comes to grieving? Women traditionally have had um, caregiver responsibilities. And so women may be sandwiched between caring for children, caring for aging parents, you know, navigating their own lives, perhaps working outside the home. And many of the grieving women that I speak with are really exhausted. Um, And when they make that commitment either to show up for a a virtual grief support group or come in for individual counseling, that really can be the beginning of, of feeling less overwhelmed and isolated in the midst of that exhaustion. But I do hear from people, oh, I'm, I'm too busy to take time, you know, too busy caring for others. And I just want to make that that plea that when we uh, put our oxygen masks on first, uh, we show up differently for the people that we love. And um, we, in the long run, will have more energy to do the things that 
that bring us joy in addition to, to helping other people. But it's hard making that first step. And I, I hear that a lot from people. I know just from my personal experience, the women in my life, they wear so many different hats. And I'm not saying that men don't because they absolutely do. But I just know like when I'm having a problem or I need to talk about something, I turn to my sister. I turn to my mom. I feel like they understand what I'm going through. And I just know from experience, it is hard for women to put themselves first because they do wear so many of these hats and they want to be everything to everybody. But I also think that when women do take the time for themselves after being really stressed for a while to just take care of themselves and decompress, it makes them better mothers, better friends, better sisters, because you have to take care of yourself first. Absolutely. We learn things from one another. So when we can show up and share our stories and learn from other people's stories, I think that that wisdom does help us as part of a community as well as within our own families. So what advice would you give to somebody that is helping a woman who is grieving? Yeah. So uh, I just want to have clarity that the grief therapy that I provide is for anticipatory grief. So for folks that are either facing their own life-threatening illness or caregiving for someone or bereavement after uh, a loved one or a friend or a pet has died. That being said, you are absolutely correct. There are many different losses people grieve over a lifetime. Uh, They may be grieving the loss of finances or a job or a loss of just a sense of a purpose. Even when good things happen like retirement, people can feel a loss of dreams. This isn't what I thought, you know, my life was going to be like or a loss of health and certainly loss of relationships, divorce and, and that sort of thing. So, Um, being able to understand that loss doesn't get easier with practice. You know, the more losses we have piled on, uh, the harder and the longer that can take to sort some of those out. So to be gentle with ourselves if we're experiencing, you know, multiple losses at the same time. And new losses can stir up old losses. You know, I think of a, a support group I was leading one day and there was a woman whose husband had died And one of the losses that was brought up was that her husband had always wanted um, a a son. They had lost a child early um, to uh, a stillbirth uh, back, you know, 40 years previously. And uh, later when she was attending this group and experienced the joy of the birth of a grandson, that that stirred those layers of losses up again. So for people to know that that's normal um, and that, um, we continue to grieve in waves over the course of our lifetime. Uh, there's no such thing as closure. <laughs> Let's take a topic like infertility, which is another thing that I feel like is becoming less taboo and that more people are talking about, but that also just so many women deal with this every single day. How can someone support a woman that is going through infertility while still being sensitive and not overstepping your boundaries? What would be some good tips for that? So first of all, show up, show up in practical ways. If they have other children that they're caring for, you know, offer to, you know, help in some practical way with chores or um, caring for other children so they can take a nap or so they can attend a support group or um, asking, how can I help you most? Um, What are you needing from me? People might not have the answer for that right away. We can throw up multiple choice. Would it be okay if I uh, brought a meal on Tuesday, you know, Um, and then keep showing up because very often there's kind of the jello brigade that comes right after people experience a loss 
and people express their condolences and say, call me if you need anything. And about the time when the shock is wearing off and people are ready to start talking about their experience, people stop asking, how may I help? Or how are you doing? And so being mindful of possible upsurge times like Mother's Day or the anniversary a year later of that loss. And also not to be intrusive. You know, it's it's one thing if you're one-on-one taking a walk with someone to say, I've been thinking of you, how are you doing? It's another thing to ask that question in a, you know, crowded mall with people all around. Right. Uh, as a private person myself, uh, how I would respond to that would be really different depending on the circumstances. So having sensitivity to knowing that person as well as, as you do, but keep showing up and keep checking in would be the big, the big takeaway. And people really appreciate, in my experience, um, thoughtful acknowledgement of the loss because miscarriage, stillbirth, infertility can be really misunderstood and people can say and say, sensitive things like, oh, you can have other children or, you know, and that baby will never be replaced. And so to avoid saying anything that somehow diminishes this loss or um, this struggle that we're going through. We don't want to minimize. For me, I know sometimes I don't know what to say. And so maybe I say the wrong thing or I over explain. But what you just said makes me realize at least say something, show up, keep it short and sweet. It doesn't have to be, you know, a long novel, but say something. That's the most important thing. And I think the other takeaway, sometimes when we're nervous and want to say the right thing, we talk over people. I know I have a tendency when I'm anxious um, to speak more than I listen. And what grieving people share with me that the greatest gift that they have is people who can be present and meet them where they're at and listen to whatever it is that they need to be talking about. And uh, so just having some humility that we can't take somebody else's pain away. We can't make it all better. There's no magic words. It's going to stop somebody else's grief, but we can show up and say, I'm here for you. I care about you. I'm sorry this hard thing is happening. So in your experience, what are some common coping strategies women might find helpful during the grieving process? There was um, research by Ken Doka that looked at different grieving styles uh, that people can have. And I always caution against being really rigid about gender determining what a woman might need or what a man might need because uh, one, people are people and there's a lot of diversity out there mm-hmm. based on um, just their cultural background, their own personalities, uh, religious um, backgrounds. And while society does generally embrace this idea of women having more permission to feel their feelings and talk about their feelings, and that is a more common way that that uh, grief does get expressed by by women. Uh, I will say that um, what uh, researchers has described as more of an instrumental style of grieving that we associate uh, with male grief, which is like getting out and doing things. You know, you think of Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, or you think of other organizations that have been started by grieving women um, that were helped by taking action. And 
so this idea of um, we may be on a spectrum of either being more feeling oriented or more action oriented at any given time in our lives. And what's interesting, what I have found is that sometimes women start out, you know, needing more time away from work, needing to talk about what happened, um, and that as they're at a better place and their needs are getting met, I'll see in couples that are grieving the loss of a child that then those roles can kind of switch a bit and that maybe um, the man is more supported or empowered to kind of lean into his own emotional uh, needs. And so just to be aware that that can happen um, in families that it may seem like a man's not grieving, but he's out building a cedar chest to put the baby who died their things in. And it's just a different language of grief. And that can be really helpful for families and couples to honor that there's no one right way to grieve and to be able to communicate what I'm needing right now is. First, we have to figure that out for ourselves, right? What we're needing before we can communicate that. And counseling and support groups can really be helpful in sorting some of that out. I love that you say grief changes over time and that there's so many different waves of grief because that's true. I mean, I've lost so many people in my life and you lose them and then you're in shock. But then it's like five years down the road when, you know, you're getting married or you have a big life change, something that you've always dreamt of comes true and they're not there. And then that's kind of grieving in a different way. People don't grieve the same way because life changes and you adapt and then you grieve differently. Men and women, I would say people uh, will experience grief in waves and need different things. And, and sometimes we don't even know what we need until it's presented on the buffet. Like, oh, that was really helpful. I didn't even realize that was an option um, to come together and have a ritual around the holidays. You know, um, I think sometimes people think, all right, you get a funeral and then, you know, you're done. That's all you get. Um, but there are so many ways of creating a new language of love, either within families or within support groups or for individuals um, to address those waves when, when they happen. And for some people that might be um, leaning in to looking at pictures. Uh, another of my favorite models for thinking about grief is the dual process model. And it talks about grief oscillating back and forth between leaning into the relationship, relationship-oriented grief, and also then um, this restoration-focused here and now. I'm making a sandwich. I'm going to work. I'm getting the kids on the school bus. And for the rest of our lives, we're kind of oscillating back between leaning in to honoring this relationship, feeling our feelings. For some people, that's journaling. Um, for other people, that's telling our story. For some people, that's just crying without, you know, words. Um, but we don't live in a culture where you can just curl up and, you know, do that in an ongoing way. We also need to, you know, throw in a load of laundry or do the next normal thing. And and that's why, you know, there's this understanding that, you know, grief takes time. How would you address this and the potential impact of cultural and societal expectations on women's grieving experiences? Well, I think in my role 
as a grief therapist, in my role as a support group facilitator, and as a friend, I meet people where they're at. So as we listen to, you know, what do I need to understand about your grief in order to be helpful, of listening to where those pain points are. Very often, uh, women and people have unrealistic expectations of what they thought grief was going to be like compared to what it's really like. You know, most people are surprised at how it impacts them, you know, body, mind, and spirit. We think we're going to be sad or we expect that, um, you know, we might feel things for a period of time. But I think what often surprises people is mentally how scrambled they feel. Uh, There's a a wonderful book by Tom Attic. He talks about relearning our world and this idea for the rest of our life, we're relearning just spaces and um, how to function in the world without this person. And so providing people time and space and opportunity to relearn their world. And um, some of that is, you know, if I always called my mom at 4.30 when I was driving from work, what's a new ritual to adapt to, you know, mom not picking up the other you know, the phone on the other end. And that might mean, you know, talking with mom while we're driving. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people embrace that idea of continuing bonds by having conversations with somebody who's died. Other people make the choice of, okay, can I can I call a friend instead um, during that time when I'm really feeling that person's absence? So being adaptive to whatever the, the learning is, that needs to happen for that day to adjust um, to the loss. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm not quite ready for it to be over yet. I still have so many questions for you. I'm here with Gina Dixon, the Grief Support Services Program Manager at Essentia Health. I'm going to have you back for a second episode so we can make sure we get all these topics covered. But I do want to mention for more information regarding no-cost grief support groups and other grief resources offered by Essentia Health, you can call 218-390-9777 or you can email griefcenter at EssentiaHealth.org or visit EssentiaHealth.org. So stay tuned for part two of my conversation with Gina Dixon, the Grief Support Services Program Manager at Essentia Health. And thank you for listening to season two, episode one of the Real Talk on Women's Health podcast with Essentia Health.